Hello, curiosity seekers. Welcome to Dissecting Medical History. I'm Ange. I'm a travel nurse, medical history enthusiast, and your host. If you're looking for a storytelling formatted podcast with fun and fascinating topics on history and bios, then you are in the right spot. Please note this is not in any way medical advice. If you have anything that's ever discussed in any of the podcast episodes, please seek medical attention. Now, let's get this story started. Hello, curiosity seekers. Today, I have another bio for you. This one is the first female doctor that practiced Western medicine in Japan, actually, and not in the United States. Today, I am going to be telling this story with my friend again, Mel. Hello, Mel. Hello there. I'm back. Hello. Hello. And I feel like we have to do kind of a weird hello now that we've done it for like the last five episodes. Hello. 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 What's hello in Japan? Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. That's what I was thinking. I think. Konnichiwa. I think that's hello. <laughs> if it's not, I apologize. I don't think it's a bad word. I think it's hello. I think that's hello. <laughs> I think we're right. Konnichiwa, listeners. Um, so this woman is named Jinko Ogino. It's O-G-I-N-O. Ogino. I'm sure that's not the correct pronunciation, but I that's, my, help you. that's my Western pronunciation. And she was a lover of Western medicine and Western ideals. So she and I have that in common. I love Western medicine. <laughs> and so I am going to pronounce it that way. Um, so Jinko was also known as Jen to her family. She was born in April 4th, on April 4th. But I read another place that she was born on March 3rd. So I don't know. This one was an article that was uh, kind of a legit journal so I'm thinking maybe it was April 4th, but um, the year was 1851. I don't think it really matters what month. No. I'm sure, you know, for astrology reasons, it probably mattered to her. <laughs> but anyway, so she was born in Satyama, Japan, which I think is now a different area. It's not that. Um, is it on the main island? I believe so. It's Manama, Manama now. I think is what it's been changed to. She was known to be a very beautiful young woman. She got married pretty young at 16. I guess that was pretty common back then, though. Yeah. In fact, I I thought 16 would be kind of old because sometimes you hear even younger. But she was married to a man who was the head of his village. She was the fifth daughter of her village. And I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. But how she got to be a doctor was pretty, pretty astounding, uh, astonishing uh, feat for her. Now, there were women practicing medicine, but they weren't like, they weren't qualified licensed physicians. They were more of like the village. Oh, kind women. of like the village healer right. type of deal. And so um, it wasn't until 1874 that doctors in Japan could be licensed from an acceptable place of training in Western medicine. And although those who were practicing before they can get a license were grandfathered in and they were able to still practice without having that license. 
She was able to get a medical education because of a prominent medical doctor from the Red Cross Society named Tad Danori. He was around 1845 to 1941. He helped her get into a private medical school called Koijujin. Again, I apologize to all my Japanese friends. I'm horrible even speaking English, so <laughs> let alone <laughs> another language. I definitely couldn't help you. Yeah. <laughs> she graduated in 1882. She was harassed by her classmates, of course. Aww. She had no support from her family or her school. Um, even her family? Yeah, even her family. She had to lobby to take the licensing exams. There was two of them, and she was denied twice. She was allowed to then take the first half of the exam in 1884, and then the second half, their second part of the exam the following year in 1885. And it's a long exam. Well, it's two I parts. Okay. But, but they were like, okay, we'll let you take this exam. And then the next year, they finally let her take the second exam. You need both in order to become licensed. Okay. So I think they were just kind of dragging their feet and were like, you know. Dr. Tandonori and a prominent businessman also went to the director of the sanitary bureau on her behalf so that kind of helped her get in and she didn't i mean she, it wasn't like she was just begging to take the exam or like or just you know waiting around she was actually doing things about it she wrote an essay to back up all the reasons why she should have the right to take those exams and why it was necessary that women become doctors and this essay she gave credit to women that were silently practicing medicine, like I said, without the licenses. And they were learning from oral education rather than from books, right? So they were... From other doctors kind of thing? Well, you know, like a village, like if, if a woman, the woman learns from her mother and her mother's mother. Oh, okay. That kind of thing. So they're practicing medicine. So it's not like women can't practice medicine. She's like, look, there's other women practicing out here. It's not a new thing for a woman to be a doctor. Right. She also stated that there was other countries that were far more advanced in medicine that were allowing women to practice. She cited Germany as an example, but an article that I read said that wasn't exactly true, but she cited them as being such... That wasn't true about Germany? Yeah, that they were not quite letting women practice yet. They were letting them study, but not practice. Okay. And at the time, Britain, Scotland, and Germany universities, like I said, were letting them study, but not practice well, what's the point i don't know it's like we'll 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 let you learn but we're not gonna it kind of reminds me okay it kind of reminds me of and i apologize to my mormon friends but there's a school byu uh-huh yeah i've heard of byu yeah and it's like all a lot of women go to byu and they say to look for a husband oh which is not okay. true like that's the old days right <laughs> We're going to let them have an education, but mostly they're going, they're not going to finish because it's an expensive just, way to look for a husband. They're just going to go and find a husband and then, you know. Oh. I mean, it's not true nowadays because BYU is a pretty legit school. Yeah. My sister in law got um, a chemical engineering degree from oh. there. Very smart girl. And uh, she didn't go to get, I mean, to get married. Like, that yeah. Wasn't her. But there's, um, but in the old day, we're talking like, 50s and like when, when yeah. it was a domestic thing it's like okay we'll let them learn but back when women were expected to stay home yeah. and pop out babies so i feel and... like it was like okay we'll let you come and learn these things but we know that you're really not going to be yeah interested. i don't know 
So, haha, on them. Ah. <laughs> tricked you. We we came to learn. We came to practice. That's right. Anyway, I think it was just more of a man's ideal. But yeah. Anyway, sounds like it. So anyway, America was permitting women to study as well, but they're but not at the superior schools. So they were kind of limited to to where they could practice. So, you know, some people opened up schools just for women or the lesser medical schools were opening up to women, but so they weren't getting the superior education. So if you wanted a superior medical education, you'd have to go to France or Switzerland who were letting women study at the same level as men. Hmm. Ginko argued that Japan needed more qualified physicians due to a severe shortage, at least in Western medicine practice. In her essay, she did not include Chinese medicine as part of the shortage though. So there was Chinese medicine being studied as a huge part of practice in mm-hmm. Japan. She got her exams and got her license, but that did not pave an easy road for her either. She was lucky because the country was still navigating a system for Western medicine. And so she got to help shape that a little bit. They were still navigating their way of putting it together. So she got in at a good time. And by the way, the school that she went to stopped taking women in 1900 because there were some rumors about some unsavory behavior. Unsavory behavior. Someone named... Because um, I'm sure that n- didn't involve any men. <laughs> of, course of course not. Someone named Yoshioka uh, Yayoi? Yayoi? Sorry. Couldn't. Like I said, I can't help you. Sorry. <laughs> I want to say yo. No, that's not even yo. close. Yayoi. She opened up her own school called Tokyo Women's Medical School in 1900. Nice. It was the first medical school for women in Japan. So that kind of helped alleviate some of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Don't go to that school. Come over here where you're wanted and there won't be unsavory rumors. Right. <laughs> but there probably was. So Ginko also puts forth some arguments about women working while pregnant. Because, again, that was a thing that men would be like, you know, you're going to get pregnant. How are you going to work? And and then you're going to stop or I don't know. Maybe the men shouldn't be getting them pregnant. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, my feminist or, is coming or, out. Or with other things. During this episode. Yeah. She compares it to being men being sick and and sickly and weak. Yet women who are pregnant still work through pregnancy. Right. Men can't work when they're sickly and weak. But she says they can work up. She, she in her In her essay, she said they can work. Um, the 10 months, and I'm like, 10 months? Isn't it just nine? But I was like, okay, Is maybe. Is there gestation longer over there? <laughs> I know, I was like, hmm, maybe um, there's just an extra month for prosperity? I don't know. Um, anyway, in her essay, she said 10, but I was like, okay. Sure. Um, she calls, <laughs> I mean, she's a doctor, right? She's like, oh, I want to go to this legitimate medical school, well, and she doesn't even know how long a human. Well, maybe she meant like 10 months as in, one month to recover after uh, or maybe yeah, maybe that's you know maybe she learned that like, when she went to the women's medical school maybe the men taught her wrong yeah maybe that's what <laughs> it is um she never saw pregnancy up close i guess so she calls the men's argument illogical um she also thinks that men don't have a full understanding of women's bodies and therefore are unable to treat their gynecological illnesses therefore more female doctors would be necessary now, this was something very important to Ginko at the, and the main reason for that was, and the reason she went into practicing medicine was when she got married, 
to this man, this other villager. She ended up getting a sexually transmitted disease from him at 19. Oh. They think it's probably gonorrhea. And uh, she came home to be treated. Then she divorced him. Her treatment was pretty long. And it was stated that it, it was either a few months to like a year or so that she was being treated for this SDI. And she was treated pretty shamefully. She was treated with a whole lot of humiliation. She did not go into detail, but that the um, exams and the treatment of these male doctors was very humiliating and very unprofessional, that it could have been a lot more done, done a lot more with understanding. And that is why she was on such a passionate road to being a doctor. She said that it was just miserable. She met other women um, at the hospital that were going through the same thing, being treated the same way. That's horrible. And of course, if you get these STDIs, you're not going to want to go to a doctor, this male doctor who's not treating you right. And then they wouldn't get the care they needed if they weren't going to the right. doctor. And a lot of these women's were, women were having reactions to the gonorrhea that were far advanced and because they weren't being treated quick, quickly. Mm. So she felt like there was some social injustice there and that she had a calling to fix it. So she thought that women needed to be more equal in employment as well uh, as far as other aspects of society, not just medical. For instance, if there were poli- police women have a better understanding of a woman who was raped right, and, rather than a man who would be less sympathetic to a woman being raped. Um, there was also a Christian influence on Ginkgo. She was introduced to Christianity and was baptized the year after she got her medical license mm. in 1886. And this led to a new agenda of ending prostitution and concubinage. She also joined the Women's Christian Temperance Union. She tried to teach women the importance of hygiene, which led to the Women's Sanitary Society. And it addressed issues with basic living conditions such as food and clothing and shelter. It also addressed childbearing and nursing. So a lot of these things are like very Western ideals. Yeah, 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 definitely. For some reason, it makes me think of that show, which I think is a book, The the Midwives. I've heard of that. I haven't read it or watched it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like called The Midwife or something like that? Yeah, yeah, called The Midwife. I've seen... I've seen a few seasons of it and it's pretty good. I don't know how it goes on for so long. It's like, (laughs) to be honest, I was like, there's so many, there's, isn't there's just so many stories you could tell about pregnancy and having babies, but every episode it's like, there's new drama and new stories. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But Hmm. anyway, so it kind of reminds me of that where there's a lot of, there's temperance and there's like hygiene and like all this stuff. So um, it kind of reminds me of that in a way of trying to educate these people. And that's like kind of what Ginkgo is trying to do. Just like now in the past year, trying to get people to wash their hands. Yeah. <laughs> people buying up all the hand sanitizer because apparently uh, they didn't wash their hands before, which is kind of gross. They, I mean, people wash their hands. People just weren't, mm, they were just weren't as I hope so. diligent as they might have been after. But I guess I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think people were 
People, okay, so. I've definitely seen women walk out of the bathroom at like the airport and stuff and not wash their hands after coming out of the stall. Well, maybe they were in the stall fixing their skirt or something. Mm, I hope so. <laughs> you can't as always. That's why I don't touch doorknobs. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the whole I'm like, hygiene. I'm giving people and... <laughs> the benefit of the doubt while at the same time I use tissue to open the door. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> the Women's Sanitary society had supporters like other doctors doctors wives nurses and midwives so it had a pretty good following there was about 250 members by 1988 and they were producing their own journal which ginkgo was a editorial board member of you said 1988 did you mean oh 1888 okay because i was like whoa she would have been super old by 1988 (laughs) i'm in 1888 (laughs) Um, after getting her license, she opened the Ogino Hospital. So it was a hospital in her name. Wow. In Yoshima that specialized in OB and gynecological um, services. And it makes me wonder, though, she opens this hospital. And I don't know how big the place is. Yeah. But I wonder if the family started to support her at this point. I mean, there's a hospital. I mean, she's, yeah, obviously knows what she's doing. Yeah. And you I think w- I wonder if her family supported her. There is a book. There is a, a, it's a bio on her. I don't know how flowered it is because mm-hmm. how much detail there are. Like they filled in some of that information. Right. I actually didn't read it because of that because I didn't want to be. I didn't want to go down a path that wasn't true. Right. I wanted factual information, but I'm wondering how, how true it would be or where they got their information. So, but it is a book about her, and I'm, I have it on my list to read at some point. Yeah, it sounded like she had a pretty interesting medical career. Yeah. In 1890, she married a priest named Yuki Yoshi. I love Japanese names; they're fun. They, <laughs> Yuki. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, Yuki Yoshi, because it's like almost like Mario Kart. Yoshi. I know Yoshi. Yoshi. I know Yoshi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then his, that was his first name, Yuki Yoshi uh, Shikata, Shikata. In 1895, she went to, oh, okay, here we go. Um, Huka, Hukio, Huka, okay. Huka Yado. She went to Huko Yado. Is that a city? Uh. <laughs> In 1895, she went to Huko Adio. To run her own medical practice. Okay. It's a place. Okay. I don't know where. Okay. It's in Japan. In Japan. <laughs> <laughs> After her husband had died, she did go back to Tokyo and resume running the hospital in 1908. Okay. She died in June of 1913. So she lived a good She's good many in her years. 60s or something. You said she was born in the 1850s? She was born in... 1851. Okay. Okay. So So she, I mean, for that time, lived a pretty long life. Yeah. So that was 60-something years, Mm -hmm. 64 years. There is a statue of her over her gravesite, and it's the best gravesite I think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put a picture on Instagram. It's a really cool statue. It's- A statue of her? uh Uh-huh. It's a statue of her in her, in a gown, in a dress. Uh Uh-huh. It's just- it's just a really great statue. Yeah. And I mean it's a it's pretty large but it's not large like as in a like David. 
<laughs> David Large. Right. Well, I've never seen David. I don't know. Oh. But, but it's, it's not really like, big. It's not like one that's in the middle of a park. It's one that's on a gravesite. But it's it's in a, there's like this little square area squared off. And I guess there's other famous people around there. Okay. But she's, but she, the statue is really cool. Hmm. So, um, and I guess it's not too far from a busy Tokyo station. Oh, okay. So it's not too far from there, but it's it's a really cool little site. So nice. I got I got to put that on there. And she's got a small planet named after her. Oh, I want a planet named after me. That's pretty Ginko, sweet. It's called Ginkgo Gino. Of course, I'm not as cool as her, but yeah, but she's it's a it's a minor planet. It's a tiny planet, but, but still. But that was it's really pretty cool. cool. So those those are the facts about her. Like I said, I don't know if the book is factual enough to be but it's probably a really good book it's uh called the gosh so it's not really a biography it's more of a it's a it says it's a biography but it's an old it's like old but you know some biographies will fill in yeah like assumptions right and when I, i i did start reading it and it had a lot of dialogue and usually when there's a lot of dialogue when they're like, I wonder why, because in the beginning of the book, the very beginning, it's like she's coming back to her village. Okay. And when she came back to her village, she had gonorrhea and, or assuming gonorrhea, yeah, from her husband, and, and so, in the book, they were having all this dialogue about people talking about her coming. I wonder why she's coming back. I wonder, like. And they just, so it's almost like they took some artistic license yes. and added some dialogue, like a dramatization. Right. So when they do that, sometimes it becomes like you're not sure. Right. Because that's is. probably not the exact dialogue that took place. No. But I'm pretty sure, like when that happens, I, I kind of lose credibility with the, right. with the bio. But it, it had a lot of dialogue is like it that. it's still a biography at that point. Yeah. It's a really old book. So I'll have to put it on Instagram. The name of it, if anybody wants to read it. I'm sure it's still good. Yeah, I'm sure it's she still, still has, a good read. Right. And like I said, I want to read it. So, but yeah, <laughs> not sure. Anyway, that's the story of the first female doctor in Japan Pretty studying Western medicine. awesome lady. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's very uh, petite looking and very, um, in the, some of the pictures, she's very grammar, grandmotherly. I don't think they had any children. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that could happen with gonorrhea is you could lose the ability to have children if it's too far mm-hmm. gone. Um, I have a story about Japan. I went to Japan back in, I think it was 2010. My brother-in-law got married to a woman he met over in Japan. He'd been living over there for about a year. And we were walking somewhere. I think we were getting ready to go to the, the service, the wedding. And my feet were killing me because the shoes I brought were super uncomfortable. So we went to a shoe store and my sister-in-law, Michio, she's the one from Japan. She said, oh, it might be hard to find your size here because in <laughs> Japan, I'm a monster. So we went to a shoe store and the guy looked at my feet and he said, oh, I don't know if we're going to have your size. So he brought the biggest size they had and they were a little 
little tight. They were men. But they were, <laughs> I should have just gotten men's shoes, but they were a little too small, but it was the biggest women's size they had. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a monster. Was it like a size seven? <laughs> it probably. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So that's my, uh, we were only there for a couple of days. It was awesome. We were in Tokyo, but yeah, that's, uh, that's my story about Japan. I'm, I'm only five, five and I wear a size eight. Oh, wow. But I'm a monster in Japan. Well, you, you say that you have monstrous hands. because I do have breaking, kind of big man hands. You're always breaking the gloves. but <laughs> I am always breaking the gloves. But I work. don't think you do. No. Well, thank you. They're not exactly, you know, <laughs> Yours dainty. Yours are like mine. They're short and stubby. Yeah, they are a little stubby. My fingers are kind of long, though, because remember you put on those gloves and they look like really big on you. (laughs) And I put on the same gloves and you're like, how come they fit you? And I was like, because I have (laughs) man hands. I got big old man hands. I have short little. Yeah. I had it. One of my grandmothers had really long, beautiful fingers. Mine are not. Mine are not either. It's okay. So anyway, that's a good moral for our listeners. If you go to Japan... Bring very comfortable shoes yes. because you won't be able to find any. Especially if you're five five size eight <laughs> or bigger. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our story for today, and Woo-hoo. I I really enjoyed reading about her. She's um pretty, pretty audacious and smart and um, passionate. So. She sounds pretty awesome. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's mental vacation from your current life. If you did and are curious for more, please subscribe. Before you go, if you have anything to add to today's show or you have a topic that you think is worthy of dissection, please reach out on dissectingmedicalhistory.com or Instagram on dissectingmedicalhistory. Thank you and stay curious.